Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road Campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Good morning. How are you? Good, me too. I really enjoyed the worship service, the words that were shared, some of the things that Kathy said, and I'm wondering what's going on. Do these people have my notes or what? As I'm preparing a message, how are they setting up a song set that matches and the words come forth like, oh, maybe it's the Holy Spirit. That's what's going on. It's wonderful. The sermon has been preached, but let's preach it again because I did all this preparation. Okay, what do you say? Okay, yeah, yep. All right. Uh, Like Kathy said, we're going to pick up the beautiful Resistance series that we started maybe about a month ago. Um, And I'm excited to do that with you this morning. When we started this series, I showed you this picture and I talked about me and my kids jumping into the Manistee River off this bridge that's uh, called Red Bridge over the river. And um, we talked about how we had to swim perpendicular to the current to get to the shore in the literal river and also how we have to do that. Um, Because there are currents that flow in the world all around us. Our culture has these currents built into them that are pulling us in some direction. But it's not necessarily the direction that the Lord would like for us to go. When my kids and I climbed out on the bridge and looked down at the river, we could see the current flowing really easily. We knew what we were getting into. But the cultural currents, the spiritual currents in our day and age are a little more subtle. They're not that easy to see unless you're looking for them. And so that's part of what this series is all about. Taking time to see what's flowing and see how we can live lives that are a beautiful resistance to things that are not flowing God's way. So um, we learned about Dietrich Bonhoeffer the first week. Do you remember this? Dietrich Bonhoeffer is a man who lived at the time that the Nazis rose to power in Germany. And he started an underground seminary as a beautiful resistance to that. And then we talked about the life of Jesus and how he lived in beautiful resistance to the currents in politics and religion in his day. And he went a whole nother way. And so this week we get to look at how discipline must resist convenience. And I'm excited to do that with you this morning. But first, let's step out onto our metaphorical bridge this morning. Let's lean over the edge and look down at the current that flows. And let's look at the current of convenience. And I want your help with this part. I hope you're ready to participate this morning. You seemed like you were. You seem warmed up and ready. So this is the crowd participation part. What do you find in American culture today that's super convenient? Shout out some ideas here. The internet, that was on my list. Good one. Yeah, the internet makes a lot of stuff easy. What was the other one over here? Say again. Grocery pickup. (laughs) Thank the Lord for grocery pickup. It's awesome. It's so convenient. There was one over here. What'd you guys have? Cell phones. Yes, cell phones. What does it make convenient? Everything. Yes, yes. To contact people, to get somewhere, to look things up on the internet. Yeah, what else? Too many options. options. (laughs) Where convenience becomes inconvenient. What do I pick? I can't decide. Uh, uh, Somebody else over here. Fast food. That was on my list too. Yeah, we can get food like in two minutes. Sometimes I can't even get my money or my credit card out fast enough. And the food is there. I'm like, slow down. (laughs) Let me get my wallet out. 
Good. Any other ideas? Vehicles. We can travel so far so easily. That's true. Okay. I got a couple of, because I'm me, right? I'm thinking of some weird examples maybe. But like, what about the temperature in the room right now? In a couple months, we'll really appreciate the temperature in this room, won't we? We have a furnace that's going to keep the air in the room warm so we're not shivering. Okay. What about running water and flushable indoor toilets? Those are convenient. Again, in a couple of months, we're going to appreciate the fact that we don't have to go outside to use the restroom. And then I started thinking about the kitchen. I started thinking about, yeah, the oven and the refrigerator, but then the microwave, dishwasher, did you say dishwasher? Yeah, that's a good one too. (laughs) Um, The microwave, the toaster, the instant pot, the air fryer. There's so many convenient ways to make a meal, isn't there? Okay, so what we're learning as we look over the bridge at the world around us is that we're surrounded by convenience, aren't we? We can get the things that we need and the things that we want so easily. It's a current. We're used to it. It's the the water that we swim in in our day and age. But now let me ask you if a few other things are convenient. Is it convenient to be really good at your job? Is it convenient to have a, you can answer yes. (laughs) She said no. I agree. Is it convenient to have a fit, strong, healthy body? It's fun to have one. It's fun to feel good and fit, but it's not very convenient to build a, a healthy, strong body, is it? Is it convenient to maintain close friendships? Is it convenient to build a strong marriage? <laughs> no, I saw one of those out there. Is it convenient to raise children? <laughs> it's fun looking at the parents when you ask that one. The parents of kids that are younger, especially. How about this one? Is it convenient to be a follower of Jesus? Yeah. The most important things in life don't come easy, do they? McDonald's does. But the most important things in life don't come easy. The most important things in life come by long-term, consistent, hard work. And that's called discipline. It takes discipline to put in long-term, consistent, hard work to gain something of value. To become what Jesus invites us to become, discipline must resist convenience. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, and I'm excited to do so with you. We're going to take it in three parts. Part one, first things first. Part two, why discipline? And then part three, how to be disciplined. Does that sound good? If it sounds good, give me a thumbs up. I like to make you guys do this. (laughs) You're so nice. You do. (laughs) Awesome. So first things first. I hope you're ready. I am. Salvation comes by grace alone. It's a gift given to us by God, and it's received by making Jesus Lord. Okay, Romans 10, 9 says, we're saved by confessing with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead. That's it. He did the work of salvation on our behalf on the cross. 
We don't earn it by religious activity. So remember this when we start talking about discipline in a few minutes. You don't discipline yourself to earn favor with God. You don't discipline yourself to pay penance for your sins. That's not what the Bible teaches. There's so many misconceptions about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I just want to pause and spend a moment on that to make sure we see what the gospel is before we dive into discipline. We need to see where something like discipline fits into our salvation experience and our life in the kingdom of God. Timothy Keller is a smart guy, and he said this once, both our admissions and our ambitions are too little. So many of us get confused thinking that Christianity is about admitting that we have some sins in our life in exchange for admitting some sins here and there. We get some help. Maybe life will get a little easier or a little better. Maybe we'll become a little better person. Maybe God will help us through a difficult season. But the gospel shows us that before choosing to make Jesus Lord, we actually were enemies of God. We lived in a different kingdom under a different king. It's called the kingdom of darkness. In that kingdom, there's oppression and there's hate and there's violence and there's sorrow. To enter the kingdom of God, we don't admit a few sins. We admit that we have stood against God. We've been our own God and our own king. We've taken part in that kingdom of darkness. And then to enter the kingdom of God, we lay down our arms. We surrender. We make him Lord, King, and God. Anything less means our admissions are too small. But the other part's true as well. When we make him king, we leave that kingdom of oppression, hate, violence, and sorrow. We're transferred into a new kingdom, the kingdom of God, which is full of joy and love and peace and compassion and kindness and hope. Even death will no longer rule over you in this kingdom because Jesus has conquered it, because he's the firstborn of the resurrected new creation. There's a lot of hope in that. Anything less than this as the picture of the new kingdom is just too small a view of it. Paul wrote it this way in Colossians. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Another way that Keller put it was this. The gospel is much more terrible and wonderful than we know. Why is it more wonderful? Because we don't get a little improvement in our life. We gain a whole new life, a whole new kingdom under a compassionate, loving, benevolent king. That is really good news. (laughs) That's over the top good news. Why is it more terrible than we know? (laughs) Because it takes a total surrender to be transferred into this wonderful kingdom. Remember those songs we sang about surrender? (laughs) That's why I was saying they read my notes. We can't hold anything back. It takes total surrender. He's either Lord of all of our life or none of it. Anything in between is a deception. 
It's just not true. There can be only one king. But if we choose him as king, the result is more wonderful than we can possibly imagine, isn't it? Okay, so with that in mind, we can start to look at discipline with the right perspective. Discipline is practiced by the people of the kingdom of God. Not because they want to get into the kingdom, but because they're already in it. They've totally surrendered and pledged their allegiance to King Jesus. And discipline is part of learning how to live as a child of the king. So let's look at it this morning. What do you say? Part two, why discipline? So Jesus says that kingdom people are fruitful and that their lives yield a harvest. Discipline is how we do that. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says the kingdom people cultivate good soil that yields 30, 60, and 100 times the seed that was sown in their lives. Good soil has been worked through discipline. It's been plowed and raked up so that it can accept the seed, so the seed can get in. The rockiness under the soil, the rocks have been removed so that the seed can take deep root. Anything that would grow up around the seed of the kingdom has been removed so it doesn't choke it out. Anyone who gardens knows the consistent work that it takes to yield something fruitful. That's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 13. In John chapter 15, Jesus uses another analogy. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me and you will be fruitful. He, he says, I love you like the father loves you. Abide in my love. So kingdom people are like the branches of a vine. They stay connected to Jesus. They abide in him. And the result is fruitfulness. It takes discipline to abide in Jesus. There are so many currents that pull you in other directions, aren't there? They cause us to drift away from him. So we have to put in consistent effort to stay connected with him, to abide. In the month of March, I did a series called Practicing the Way of Jesus. You guys remember that? And um, we looked at a book by John Mark Comer. I want to read a quote from the book again that uses the grapevine analogy. And it's important to realize that the structure that holds up the grapevine in this picture is called a trellis. So what he says is that what a trellis is to a vine, discipline is to abiding. It's a structure, a schedule, and a set of practices to set up abiding as the central pursuit of your life. It's a way to organize all your life around the practice of the presence of God. Then he concludes with this part I have on the slide. If a vine doesn't have a trellis, it will die. And if your life with Jesus doesn't have some kind of structure to facilitate health and growth, it will wither away. So discipline is putting consistent practices in place that will cause growth and fruitfulness. Think of it like cultivating a strong, fruitful grapevine. So does that sound hard? 
Sometimes it sounds hard to me to stay connected with God, to abide. Sometimes I feel like it's tough. But it should come as no surprise because Jesus actually told us that it would be hard. We'll get to that in a second. But before we do, I want to talk about sports. If you're like the half of the room that just goes, oh boy, here goes the sports. Hang, just hang tight. It'll be worthwhile. Spiritual analogies coming, okay? But let's talk sports for a second because I like sports. When I think about discipline, what I think about are professional athletes. Peak performers in their given sport, all right? And they have tremendous odds to work against to become a professional athlete. And so um, I just want to take the NBA as an example. Roughly a half a million high school boys will play basketball this year. Half a million, 500,000. And only 16,000 of those will play in the top three divisions of college basketball. And only 110 will play in an NBA game. So half a million, 16,110. That 0.02% high school basketball players will play in the NBA. I mean, just look at this graph. It really says a lot. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Those of you who know, know. The rest of you, I'm sorry. But we thought it was funny. <laughs> Just look at this crap. <laughs> okay, so what are we talking about? Basketball. The guys who make it to the top 0.02% don't do it without discipline, okay? And to highlight it even more, I was thinking like, well, who's at the very top of the very top of the 0.02%? And I thought of Kobe Bryant. He's a legendary basketball player. You can see him with his rings there, very happy about it. And uh, Kobe Bryant was part of the 2008 Olympic team. So we took the best of our best professional basketball players. We put them on a team to compete against all the other countries of the world in the Olympics. And a couple of players on that team told stories about Kobe Bryant's discipline and his work ethic. They talked about how, um, let's see what the one guy said. I'll just read his quote. He says, we all come down for team breakfast, and Kobe comes in with ice on his knees. He's got sweat drenched through his workout gear, and I'm like, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. Where's he coming from? <laughs> He's coming from the gym. He's already got a two-hour workout in. Another guy said, everybody just woke up. We're all yawning, and he's already three hours into his day, a full workout already completed. Kobe writes about it in, in a book. He said, I always felt like if I started my day early, I could train more each day. If I started at 5 a.m. and worked out till 7, I could go again from 11 to 2, and then again from 6 to 8. By starting earlier, I set myself up for an extra workout each day, and over the course of the summer, that's a lot of extra hours in the gym. With a mindset like that, you can see... <laughs> while he rose to the very top of the 0.02% of his era in the NBA. There's not a shred of convenience in his schedule, is there? I was watching a Netflix documentary about this just a couple nights ago, 
And another story the players told was how they had gone out to do what NBA players sometimes do. Everybody went but Kobe, and they stayed out all night partying. And they're coming back to the hotel. This is training camp. It's not during the Olympics, but it's leading up to it. So don't judge them. They still perform very well. Anyways, they're coming back to the hotel at like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, and there's Kobe in workout clothes heading down for his first workout. They're just getting home. (laughs) What a guy, right? He knew his goal, what he wanted to achieve, and he put a plan in place and had the discipline to execute it to achieve his goal and make it a reality. Let's go back to the Bible for those of you who don't like sports. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says the way to life in the kingdom of God is hard and only a few, uh, a few, a small percentage of people find it. That's what I'm trying to say. Small percentage of people find it. He said it like this. Enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. But how narrow is the gate? How difficult the road that leads to life and a few find it. So people who enter the kingdom life are like Kobe Bryant. They do what only a few are willing to do. They don't go with the flow and follow the crowd. They discipline themselves. But remember, on this road, it's a toll road. But Jesus paid the toll. Remember, salvation is a gift of grace for anyone who will receive it. He paid the toll. He invites As we read the Gospels, we see Jesus. He invites men and women, Pharisees and tax collectors, Jews and Samaritans, people from different sides of every spectrum are invited, and he paid for them to get on the road. He said it like this, come follow me. But if we choose to walk that road and follow Jesus, it's going to be the narrow and the hard road. And he's not shy about it. He's very upfront about this. In some place like Luke chapter 14, where he said, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Then he says, sit down and count the cost. Very upfront. Very upfront. But Jesus is also really clear about this. It's a ridiculously imbalanced exchange. If we follow him, you will give up the throne of your life. You'll give up everything that you have and hold most dear, but you will inherit so much more. You'll become a child of the king. Jesus says that is like finding a pearl of great price. It's worth selling everything to get it. He says that being a child of God in his kingdom, inheriting eternal life is like finding a great treasure buried in a field. Sell everything you have because it's totally worth it to get it. Jim Elliott was a missionary to Ecuador. He was martyred by the very people that he he traveled there to help. And he said it like this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. All right, part three, how to be disciplined. Let's get really practical, all right? Sports coming your way. Kobe Bryant had this disciplined workout plan, didn't he? 
His goal was to be the best to ever play the game of basketball. And so he modeled himself after the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan. So he had this workout plan to support that goal. Did you know that the word Christian means Christ-like? So that means if you're a Christian, your goal is to be like Jesus. We're his apprentices, his disciples. We're learning and trying to become more and more like him. So it just makes sense. We would take a note from Kobe and we'd build a discipline plan to accomplish that goal. So I want some participation again. Help me out. Kobe's plan was to get up at 5 a.m., lift weights. He shoots hundreds and hundreds of jump shots. He does cardio. You know, he's got a list of things in his workout plan. What, what could our list include? What could we put in our plan to become like Jesus? Shout out any ideas you got. Time in the Word. Reading the Bible. Exactly. Good one. What up? What? Jump shots. Okay. Don't understand how Jesus... Okay, we'll, we'll talk about that after. Other ideas. Other ideas. <laughs> Threw me a real curveball there. Back to sports. See? Say again? Flip it. Flip it. You guys are in a mood today. Okay. <clears throat> I enjoy humor. I can dish it out. I can take it. Okay. Prayer. Okay. Thank you so much for saying a serious one. <laughs> Prayer, what, generosity, worship. Any others? This is a good list. Fellowship. Meeting with people you can minister to. Great list. Another one? Journaling. You guys are nailing it. Having hard conversations. Ooh. Flipping tables, hard conversations. Okay, yeah. Leading by example. Yeah, this is a great list, you guys. And I think you might have hit every single one I had on my list. Just in case you were a crowd this morning, I do plan my own list. Share the gospel. Yeah, great list. Okay, so uh, Henry Nowen wrote a book called uh, The Way of the Heart. And in it, he says, A real discipline never remains vague or general. It is as concrete and specific as daily life itself. So Kobe scheduled when his workouts were going to be. He had a plan, not just a desire to be like Mike or try to be the greatest ever, but he had a plan for exactly when, where, and how he was going to do his workouts. And it's the same for us. If you don't make a plan that says when, where, and how you're going to abide in Jesus, it just won't happen. The world you're swimming around in today has all these currents pulling you in other directions. The currents flowing in our culture are not going to lead you closer to Jesus. Jesus said the currents that are flowing are the broad road that leads to destruction. We've got to go a different way. Narrow is the gate. Difficult is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Comer put it this way, following Jesus has to make it onto your schedule and into your practices, or it simply will never happen. But here's the rub. Most of us are too busy to follow Jesus. Yikes, John Mark. (laughs) That is challenging. But don't we find it true so often? 
So maybe some of you listening this morning don't have a daily quiet time. I just want to give you a simple how-to. After church today, sometime this afternoon, pull out your calendar, your schedule. If you do it electronically, pull out your device that you use to interact with your calendar and schedule the time that you're going to spend with Jesus. Remember, Kobe got up ridiculously early to achieve his goal. Maybe it's just not working to fit any other time of the day and you need to make it first thing. You need to go into your phone or however you do alarm clock and set it a little earlier. Say, all right, this is my time. From here to here, this is when I'm going to do it. And when you get up to do it, the list we had is great. Prayer, reading your Bible. In the month of March in that sermon series, you can go back and listen to it for more detail, but I talked about biblical meditation meditating on God's word, journaling and hearing his voice is a great part of a daily quiet time. And it's a great way to start your day. I want to read you another quote though, to keep, keep it in balance. The life that pleases God is not a set of religious duties. It is to hear his voice and obey his word. Meditation opens the door for this way of living. So that's what we do. And I want to tell you, just in case you didn't hear the sermon series in March, or you've forgotten what I said about it, Christian biblical meditation is totally different than the meditation that's talked about in movies and on TV and in articles today. We don't meditate to empty ourselves. It's not that new agey stuff. What we do is we quiet ourselves. We quiet distractions to be filled with the word of God, his scripture. We listen to his Holy Spirit, what he's saying to us and how he's illuminating that scripture. We meditate to be full of him and to abide in him. So that's really important. Okay. So then you make a plan for when to do your quiet time. That's really good. Then I want to encourage you, look at your calendar again and look and see, are there specific times set aside in your rhythms of life where you're going to get together with other people who are following Jesus, people who are taking the hard, narrow road, and not just to hang out. Most likely, if you're like me and you're a church-going person, your friends are Christians and you are hanging out with them. But specific time to encourage each other along the road that leads to life. Find that time. If it's not on your calendar now, make time. That's why New Day has community groups. There are a bunch of them available. If you're curious about any of those and you want to sign up for one, you can jump right in. See Kathy or Mir Merrily after service and we'll let you know what those are all about. But specific time to encourage others along the road and to receive encouragement from them is so crucial to being successful. And it's an important discipline. One more for our list of disciplines, all right? It's not an exhaustive list, but I just picked three I thought were pretty important and maybe a little challenging too, like this next one. So we've looked at our calendar for quiet times, times to get together with others, the next thing we should pull out is our bank statements. <laughs> is there regular, consistent monetary commitment to Jesus? And our bank statement will tell us this. And this one can be touchy for people, but that's exactly why I brought it up. Because <laughs> I'm not scared of touching buttons. It's kind of fun. It's not convenient and it's not comfortable talk about money, it's, even, it's less convenient and less comfortable to be a person who regularly gives to the Lord. But tithes, offerings, and almsgiving 
are disciplines that make us more like Jesus. They teach us to trust God to provide for our needs, not our job, not our employer. And they teach us how to submit to the rule and reign of God in our life. It's a real rubber meets the road way to see if Jesus is king or if we are, especially in 2022 in American culture. So that's why I bring that one up. So guys, if you look at your calendar, you look at your bank statements, you look at the totality of your life and you see good disciplines, I just want to say great job. And I know so many of you do these things and do them well because I see the growth in your life. That's awesome. Keep it up. Keep up the good work. Remember to keep bringing people along with you because the road is hard and and so many of us can struggle with this. And then I want to encourage you to stay steadfast for the long haul. Keep on keeping on when it comes to the spiritual disciplines. Paul knew this was important. And he wrote to the church in Galatia and said, The one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So don't give up. Keep it up especially when it gets hard. And I wanted to take one more moment to just encourage you about the times when it gets really hard to follow Jesus. The fact that it is hard, the fact that you feel resistance means you're going to see gains in your spiritual life. I like to listen to the Art of Manliness podcast and the the, the host, his name's Brett McKay. He wrote an article on the spiritual disciplines and he said this, For the soul to strengthen, it has to be trained in a consistent, deliberate way. Just like your physical muscles. It needs something to push against. It needs resistance. Then he goes on to say, if you really want your spirit to be able to soar to adventurous heights and explore the profoundest of depths, if you really want it to possess power, if you really want it to be free, it paradoxically needs some structure. It needs discipline. So as you build a plan to be a Jesus follower, to abide in him, to walk the narrow road, expect resistance. Expect convenience and the other currents of our culture to pull you away from that goal. So many areas of our life in America today are so convenient. But following Jesus is not convenient. It's a discipline. It is a resistance to that convenience. So expect it. Plan on it. Fight against that. The very fact that it is hard means it's good for you. You're building your spiritual muscles. You're getting stronger for having resisted. You're becoming like Jesus. James said it like this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so I just want to sum it up this morning. We're going to close, but I just want to sum it up. You all are invited into the kingdom of God. Jesus offers you the kingdom as a gift of grace. It's wonderful, and you don't have to do anything to earn it. 
but you will have to surrender the kingship. People in his kingdom discipline themselves to produce a harvest, to be fruitful. Kingdom people resist convenience and walk the hard, narrow road. But Jesus walks with them. And at the end of that road is eternal life. And that, my friends, is a beautiful resistance. Thank you. Yeah, that's such a good <laughs> practical things for us to do. And I was just reminded as Bill was sharing what Audrey shared in the worship set, just that, um, you know, some of the things that are convenient are when we hit a trial, it's convenient to, you know, turn to lots of things besides Jesus, right? And And then Jerry talked about the fact that we need to change. You know, to be like Jesus, we have to change. I was, uh, I shared this yesterday. The way to trust in the Lord with all your heart, Matthew Henry says, first you must believe that he's able to do wise to do what is best and good according to his promise. I think so many of us, believe that he's able to do. But do we trust him in our trials to know that he's best and that he has our good for us? And so, like Audrey shared, you know, we need to turn to him in our trials and worship. And like Bill shared, we need to hear his voice with our quiet time every day. I mean, who, who doesn't want to be like Jesus? I do. So I'm challenged to change, and I hope you are too. Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you that you don't want to leave us the way you found us. <laughs> you want for us more than we could even dream or ask. You want us to be like you. Help us to resist the conveniences that actually lead to our demise. And help us to seek out your discipline. That we would persevere so that we could become more like you. We thank you that you want the absolute best for us. Help us to lean in to that today and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you need some prayer for anything, whether it be healing or emotional or, or just kind of maybe stuck and feel like, man, I could use some direction, we have a prayer team that's available to pray with you. And I just... I just feel the Lord just um, tugging on my heart here for a second. If you don't, if you're feeling like, man, I don't know that I'm quite family yet, would you come and find, come and talk to me or Bill Merrily? I just feel like I don't want anyone in here today to feel like you're isolated or alone. 
So if you're experiencing that today, or if there's somebody that you know, I would encourage you to seek them out today. Because church is not a social club. Amen? We're a family, and we lift each other up. So if you're in that place, I just really encourage you to reach out. And if you're online, please reach out to Adam and Tara. Um, we don't want anyone to ever feel like they're completely alone. Um, um, okay, so back to my MC job. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> that is my job. Yes, you're right. It is my job. Listen to the Holy Spirit. So I, um, we are going to continue this series for the rest of this month, so it's going to be really good. We have lots more to, to share with you, and next week we have Peter Webb on deck, all right? It's going to be good. And then, um, so, af and please sign up after church for any of the Candy Trail uh, events that you can help with. We really would appreciate that. And with that, I would like to encourage you to go do and be Christ in your community. Amen.